Isman, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness, Lord. Lord, thank you for how you've shined your hand of blessing upon our church, Lord. Thank you for the direction that I feel that you're taking our church, Lord, and for the, uh, the hookers. I, I pray that you would continue to guide and direct, Lord. We pray that your perfect will would be done in all that we say and do here. I pray, Father, that you would meet with us tonight. pray that you would uh, fill Brother Hooker with the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, that you would talk to each heart here, Lord, and that we would listen, Lord, and, and be wise servants of yours, Lord, and build our house upon the sure foundations that Brother Hooker talked about this morning. pray you'd bless this time, Lord, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. As we travel this earth shifting sands that transcend all the reason of man. But the things that matter the most in this world, they can never be held in our hand.
Praise the Lord. Uh, I think I'm going to make it through tonight. My uh, voice is about to go, but I told my wife on the way in, I said, I think I'm going to make it through tonight. It'll probably be totally gone by tomorrow. And, uh, but praise the Lord, we made it to, to tonight. I, I thank you again. You've been so good to us, so kind to us. We've enjoyed being back. Uh, it has just felt good to be back. And I wish, uh, I wish we didn't have to take off again, but, uh, Going to have to Thursday morning, I guess, or Thursday sometime to start driving toward, uh, where are we going to, Beth? Iowa. Okay, going to Iowa and then to Missouri, and then we'll be back here the following weekend, hopefully. So um, uh, I started out this morning, you go to Matthew chapter 7, you don't need to go back to Ezekiel. Uh, most of you, I think most were in service this morning, some were not, I'm sure. Oh, I want to make this announcement. Uh, Sierra Watkins uh, this morning uh, trusted Christ as her Savior. And uh, she was sitting at the back during Sunday school and during church service and raised her hand almost immediately about salvation. And, and uh, thank you for those who went and dealt with her and, and, got, and won her to Christ. And uh, so that, that was an incredible blessing there, just a wonderful thing. Uh, from what looks uh, on the desk in there, it looks like uh, we're going to have to get organized and do a whole lot of follow-ups here pretty soon. Uh, there's a lot of people that need to be visited. So, But I wanted to remind you this morning, I was talking about <clears throat> the fact that people want our product, they just don't want the recipe. I want you, there were certain statements, and uh, I guess you call them philosophies, that were taught in a statement form. That really influenced me over the years as I, as, as I was growing and going to Bible college and then after Bible college working in the ministry. And, and this is one of those statements that just gradually began to change me. People want our product. They just don't want our recipe. Another one that, that I heard is never sacri sacrifice the permanent on the altar of the immediate. That one was life-changing to me. It helped me make so many decisions. Because, you know, it's easy to make a decision if something looks really good right now. But you got to look past right now. It's how, where this is going to take us. Well, how is this going to affect us in the long run? And when you start looking at that, a lot of things right now don't look so good all of a sudden. You start to change kind of thinking it through. But uh, this is one of those things. People want our product. They just don't want the recipe. And so that led us to... The house upon the rock, Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. And I'm going to have to, oh, here it is, my water over here. I may need this tonight. <clears throat> I know it probably sounds as bad as it feels. So uh, for y'all, it's probably just as hard for you to listen to me say, speak as it is for me to do it. But, but Matthew chapter 7, we went through and we started talking about these seven points in Matthew chapter 7. And the truth is, if you go back to Matthew chapter to five, start there. I look back at some of my notes on Matthew chapter five, which is more of a, a lesson. But I think there's like 14 or 15 uh, principles in just Matthew chapter five. And I'm not saying that's all of them. That's just you know where you pick them out and you start working through the chapter. But but we saw here in Matthew chapter seven uh, what we gonna what we hear. That we hear, we just heard, or we should have just heard when we read this, the passage. Uh, if you read through the Matthew chapter seven, and we didn't read through the whole thing, but when you read through it, as as at the time Jesus was speaking of this, they just heard him speak these words, and he said, "You just heard me. Now, what are you going to do with it?" Because he said, "If you if you hear me, and you don't do it, 
your house is still built on the sand. And that's what's amazing. Knowledge alone doesn't save anybody. Knowledge alone does not uh, preserve. Uh, you know, there's uh, my preacher wrote a book called Salvation is More Than Being Saved. Uh, you know, your, your life is not going to be salvaged if it's, if it's simply hearing and having knowledge. You gain this knowledge. What do you do with the knowledge? That's what's so important. And if I could get that across to everybody that ever sits in a pew in a church, it's, it just absolutely is not important how much knowledge you accumulate is what do you do with the knowledge you have. And so, as uh, again, as my preacher used to say, he, say, he said, uh, it's not how much of the Bible you know, it's how much of the Bible you live. And, uh, you know, so there's some people that know, man, volumes of the Bible. They just don't live any of it. And so it's very important that we hear these principles and we live these principles. And we said the first principle was, uh, of course, uh, uh, judge not. And I define it kind of as a home built on condemnation will fall into scorning and criticism and attack and negativity. A home built on seeking vengeance is a home built on, upon the sand. And a home where there's critical spirit that just bombarding a negative spirit, that's a home built upon the sand. Our children are going to crumble. We are going to crumble. Uh, our, you know, it's going to hurt. Our wife, it's going to hurt our husband if our attitude, our spirit is not right. I said number two when we talked about that very unique verse, give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet, turn again and rend you. That we must be very careful to have right influences on our children. For right influences on your children is a house built upon the rock. Wrong influences is a house built upon the sand. And it is, and, and I can't emphasize that enough, how important it is that we, we are careful about what influences our home. Amen. Just very, very careful about what we allow into our home. Um, and, 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 I, and I'm going to say this because it's nighttime, but please, folks, please don't think that, I, that a so-called higher education is going to give a better life. Okay. Uh, your children, before they walk into a state institution for teaching, they better understand and have a scriptural, a biblical worldview. And you say, well, I don't understand what that means. Listen, they, everything based, ought to be based on what does the Bible say. I determine everything I believe by what the Bible says. So when they walk in those classrooms and they get bombarded by the, the liberal and the socialist and the humanist, as they get bombarded and instead of teaching truths that they should be teaching or teaching information even that they should be teaching, they're teaching their philosophy. When, they, when you're getting, their child is getting bombarded, if they're going to end up there, and I'm I'm not telling you what to do, but when they get end up there, uh, they better be so grounded. And can I tell you, even if they are grounded, when they walk out, they're still going to be carrying some of it. Uh, I had to, after getting saved, I had to spend many years trying to weed out of me philosophies that were permeated, just permeated our minds. Um, so, and you say you against education. No, I'm for education. I'm just, I'm for, for grounding our children in the truth of the word of God and helping to understand again, it's not information. This is life changing truth. And so right influences on the children will be a house built upon a rock. Wrong influences is a house built upon the sand. And this may be the world's shortest message you ever heard because my throat is killing me. All right. Now, I said that number next, and I went to verse seven, and there's a home built on prayer. Prayer is essential, but real prayer. Not that we just bow our heads at the, at the table. 
but that we, we, we really sincerely seek to know God, seek to get close to God, seek to, to hear God and, and to, for him to hear us. And I think it's so vitally important, and I believe that's a home built on prayer is a home built on the sand. I mean, it's built on the rock. A home built on self-reliance is a home that's built on the sand. And then I said, uh, number four, I believe it is. Therefore, all things whatsoever you would do that men should uh, you, that you would that men should do to you, do you even so to them. For this is law and the prophets. Do unto and we said, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. And I, placing unselfishly the needs of others above your own. Care of others will make your house stand, but selfishness will cause the house to fall. And I, I beg you to understand that we this this world, this nation. You know why people in other nations, you go to the Philippines, you go to Africa, you go to these other places and they so readily accept the gospel? It's because they don't have everything. And you know why you knock on door after door uh, of people in in well-to-do communities and they want nothing to do with it? Because they're spoiled and they have need of nothing. And the truth is, you don't need to put your children in that, that situation. You don't need to put yourself in. You know, people will say to me all the time, because I've got messages where I'll go through and I'll illustrate what the incredible things God has done in our lives, the incredible provision that he has made in our life, and, and things that God, and people will look at me and go, and I've had them walk up to me after a message and say, is that really true? And I'll think, you know, do you understand that you're just asking me if I'm a blatant liar? <laughs> Okay, do you understand? First of all, you just asked me if I'm a liar. So if I have not already knocked a fool out of you, all right, then let me answer you. Uh, yes, it's true. And, they'll say, and then they'll say, how? Let me help you. If you allow yourself in the, to be in the place to be blessed, you can see the blessing. Most people will never allow themselves to be in the place to be blessed. Before you ever can see God bless, we whip out and we figure a solution of our own. We throw out the credit card. We go in debt. We travel for six summers without a credit card. A whole family, family of eight, six summers, no credit card. That means breaking down. That means everything that we had to do through, we had to pay all the bills back at home. We had to pay all the traveling bills. We had to pay everything. We never knew when we pulled out of one place, what we would get at the next place. And every bill was paid. Every breakdown was taken care of. Everything somehow you say, and they would say, how could these happen to you? And one of these days I'll preach some of these messages to you, but how could these things happen to you? They don't unless you're willing to step out in faith to do it. You know, when Jesus walked this earth, he didn't have a credit card. And we, for many, many years in America, didn't have a credit card. We found a way to make it. And and can I tell you, uh, if I had had a credit card, I would have come back each summer thousands of dollars in debt. I would have been in debt because as soon as we had a crisis, boom, let's throw that thing down. Got a crisis, that's okay, boom, let's throw it down. But when we had a crisis and we're stranded and we have no idea what we're gonna do, watch this, it's really good to have no hope but God. Because all of a sudden he says, okay, you really need me, I'll take care of you. And God blesses in an amazing way. But if if our children never see that, if they just see everything's given, everything, I got everything, everything's good, I'm just telling you, they're spoiled. And spoiled kids, spoiled people, spoiled Americans 
We don't think we need God. Now, then I, I'm going to, now to the, the next one. I think it's point number five. If you go to verse 13, look at verse 13. Verse 13 says, enter ye in at the straight gate. <clears throat> For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many be there be which go in thereat because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life and few there be that find it. That's where we're going to pick up tonight. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you bless Lord Jesus. Please guide my mind, my thoughts. And, and Father, if you might just uh, ease my throat for just a few minutes, uh, please. Spirit of God, I yield myself to thee. In Jesus' name, amen. He says, well, often this, this, this little verse here in this passage, of course, is, is kind of applied to salvation. We kind of use it in that kind of that light. But I want to take this and believe, I believe it's a different principle because salvation is going to be dealt with really more directly. And so what is the principle here and, you know, whether you agree with me or not, but I, I believe this is the principle that God is teaching here. It says, enter ye in the straight gate, for wide is the gate. And notice it says, and broad is the way. It's not only the gate, but there's also a road, a way. He says, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way. It's two different things. It's a gate and then there's a way. And so I believe that this passage right here in these principles that Jesus has given them on how to have a house upon the rock. What he's talking about is building your home, your house, your life on true biblical principles. And I mean it by this. When you believe there's a wide gate, that's, a, that's the guy that believes anyway. There's, there's many ways to, to heaven. You, there's many ways. That wide is the gate. There's many ways to heaven. When you believe there's a straight gate, listen, Jesus is the door. Jesus would be the straight gate. And if you're going to come into salvation, you got to come in one way, through the straight gate. Anybody agree with that? you got to come in the straight gate. But then it says, and narrow is the way. And here's where the problem is. Most of this generation, even our Christian generation, here's what's being taught all over America today. And that's this, even a good church that teaches salvation through Jesus Christ, they may say straight is the gate, but here's what they do. Immediately, okay, straight is the gate, you're saved, now broad is the way. There's a problem with that. Because when it's broad is the way, listen to me, God says that's a road to destruction. Now you say, now wait a minute, they're saved. But God, right here, this, this verse, well, let me just look at it and I'll, and I'll define it to you. It says that because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. That life right there is defined as, as absolute fullness of life. That's a good life. That's a blessed life. God right here is not talking about eternal life. He's talking, you come in the straight gate, that gives you eternal life. Your eternal life is secure. But how you walk now will determine what kind of life you live now. 
Now, if you take the broad way, your life is messed up. Your life is headed for destruction. But when you allow God to say, there's some things you should do, and there's some things you should not do, and he said, these things narrow your way. You know, not everything is okay. Paul said, you know, everything may be lawful, but not everything's expedient. Some things are hindrances. Some things are weights. And, and God says there's a narrow way that I'm supposed to walk if I'm going to have the right life. You say, I'm under, I'm under grace and, and I can do what I want to. Yes, you can, but you will pay the price. You pay the price for what you do in this life. It's just simple principle. I'm going to just give you just a simple illustration that uh, my, my granddaddy was, was an alcoholic. And I've given a little bit of this illustration before, but my granddaddy is an alcoholic. And, and my mom, uh, of course, broke that chain and, and came to us. And we never saw alcohol in our home. But I saw my granddaddy drunk several times as a, as a, as a child. And I had to endure that. And I had to endure my mama just in tears as she'd be brokenhearted as she'd turn him away at the door because he was trying to bring that alcohol and that garbage in. And, and, and my mama had to live out of life that I didn't understand till I was older how she, her granddaddy, multiple uh, marriages, her grandmother, uh, I mean, her daddy, multiple marriages, and her mother, multiple marriages, and, and all this incredible, and going over to granddaddy to check on him in those shanty shack with nothing but a whiskey bottle and a bed, and, and maybe some, just a few little tools around, and, 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 and this life that was such a potential life was wrecked and ruined by this one thing. Now listen to me, the scripture says, wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Now listen, as soon as I got saved, everybody would tell me, they would say to me, they would say, you're just like your granddaddy. I heard that my whole life. You're just like your granddaddy. Your hands are like him. Your feet are like him. Your head's like him. Your body's like me. You're like your granddaddy. Well, can I tell you, when I went to Memphis State University and lost, I was headed down a road of being just like my granddaddy. I was going to be an alcoholic. And thank God I found the straight gate. And I walked through that straight gate. But listen to me. Walking through that straight gate only gave me an opportunity now to have a good life. A lot of the guys that I went to school with during that, the revival of the 70s, so to speak, in the, in the colleges of America, uh, there was a lot of young men that got saved. And can I tell you, many of those young men, when they got saved, they walked a broad path. And I, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's me, I'm saying it's by the grace of God that God led us and directed us and, and I, I can't even imagine it to this day how or why he did, but somehow God just seemed to, to maneuver us to, to the opportunity to find truth, to find the word of God, to find people that taught and believed the word of God and taught and believed that it's more than just coming to church and sitting in a pew, it's living by the principles of the word of God. And I found verses like this, that wine is a mocker and strong drinking is raging and whosoever deceived thereby is not wise. And I have to take, is this a, okay, guess what? 
I can. I'm saved. I can go in this bar if I want to. I'm saved. I can go get this beer if I want to. I'm saved. I can go drink this wine if I want to. But watch this. I will pay the price for where that takes me. So I started, I decided to live a narrow life. And I said, I'm not going in there anymore. I went to Bible college and they, they said, you got to learn to preach. You got to go out and preach in a bar. And he said, because they told us you got to make sure, you know, you got to be bold and not be afraid. I looked at them and said, look, I ain't afraid to go in the bar because of the people. Because most of those people I whooped before I got saved. I threw them out of the bar. So I'm not afraid to do that. But I looked at my, my, my teacher and I said, I'm not being belligerent, I'm not being mean, and if you have to fail me, you have to fail me. But I'm not setting foot back in the bar. I'm not going in. And he said, why? And I said, look, man, these other old boys, I don't know where they came from, but I came out of there. And I said, I'll witness all night long outside. I'll stay on the, on the and I'll, 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 I'll street preach. I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. I'll talk to anybody. And I've, I've witnessed every kind of form of human being there is uh, at every hour of the day and night. But I'm not going in there. Because I'm one drink away from alcoholism. I'm not going in there. You know what? That, that narrows what I can do. That principle, that truth of the Word of God narrows what I can do. Does anybody understand what I'm saying? And we've gone through some pretty tough times over the years as a family. And if I had not lived this narrow life, narrowed by the principles of the Word of God, It'd be very easy to say, this is pretty stressful, let's take a drink. But it's never one. It's like the old potato chips, you can't eat just one. And whether you can even understand this, I hope nobody in here can understand this, but I never drink, drink for pleasure. I drink to get drunk. That's a terrible thing to say. Y'all gonna vote next week. You gonna change your mind. And if you don't vote for me, I'm just going to get drunk. <laughs> I don't know where some of this stuff comes. Oh <laughs> Proverbs 23, 29, 30, 30, 35 says, Who hath woe? Who hath sorrow? Who hath contentions? How many fights I was in? Who have contentions? Who hath wounds without a cause? Who hath redness of eyes? He said, they that tarry long at the wine. They that go to seek mixed wine. Look not thou upon the wine when it is red. When it giveth color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright, that's a, when it's alcoholic. At the last, it biteth like a serpent and it stingeth like an adder. Thine eyes shall behold, yea, when you get consuming this stuff, 
Thine eyes shall behold strange women. And thy heart shall utter perverse things. It's amazing how many guys are supermen when they're drunk. They can whoop everybody when they're drunk. Yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea, or as he that lieth upon the top of a mast. They have stricken me, shalt thou say, and I was not sick. They have beaten me, and I felt it not. When shall I wake? I will seek it yet again. After all that misery, he says, I'm going to go back to it again. Now, folks, you don't have to read much of this from the word of God to you think, you know, there's just some places I'll not go. There's some smells I'll not smell. There's some things that just I'll not ever taste again. And that narrows the path. And that's just one little place of principle that narrows our path. But boy, it's something incredibly enjoyable about being clean in a narrow path. But when the path is broad, you know what you do? You bounce around in it. And a double-minded man is, all, is unstable in all his ways. When his path is broad, let's try this over here. Let's go to this over here. Let's do this over here. And let's enjoy that over there. And when the path is narrow, it's, you know what? I got a job to do. I got a family to take care of. I got a wife to protect and provide for. I got a God to serve. And I'm going to walk. You say, well, I mean, you don't enjoy everything. Really? You see, it was a narrow path that gave me children serving God, and there is no greater joy than to know that your children walk in truth. So, don't be afraid of having some rules if they're biblically based. And listen, I've, I preached this already. Even when you explain to them, this is not a sin, if it's just protecting you from getting into sin. Okay, I don't know, I'll be honest with you, I don't know that it's a sin to walk down, uh, spend, you know, every night walking by a bar. I don't, I don't know that that'd be a sin to spend every night walking by a bar. But it'd be stupid. Okay, there's just some things that are just stupid. You understand what I'm saying? I said stupid. It just don't make sense. You know, if you, look, if you don't, you don't want to end up going in there, then don't walk by there. Go somewhere else. I spent enough time on that. Really haven't. I could spend about another year on that. But the, uh, so it's the house built, <coughs> the house built on these principles of the word of God is a house that will stand. A house built on true biblical principles will stand. A house built on false teaching will fall. The false teaching is there's a Broadway. And it's more than that, though. You know, when, when I was in, um, in, in the police department, I think it was probably when I went to detective division, maybe the academy, I don't remember exactly when, but they kind of taught us a little bit about counterfeit money. Anybody ever been taught about counterfeit money? Okay, the first thing that they teach you about counterfeit money is this. You don't recognize counterfeit money. You recognize the good stuff. Okay, so you don't know necessarily what's wrong with the counterfeit. You just know it's not good. Does this make sense? 
We know it's not good. So the, it, I had to, had to learn this. And the truth is, that's what happens. The more you listen to the word of God, uh, the young man, uh, Adam, today, talking to me about the Bible and how to read through the Bible and how to study the Bible. And I told him to, you know, to, to, to read, you know, I, I gave the illustration. I said, you know, if you had a U.S. history book and you just open it up, to a bunch of different places every day and read, just picked out any place. I said, history wouldn't make much sense to you. But if you take it and you read through the whole thing and then get kind of the whole picture and now take book by book and study it. And, and the truth is, is if you get into the word of God, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And you hear the word of God taught, you hear the word of God preached, you study it for yourself. Watch this. I'm just telling you that when the counterfeit comes along, when the false principle comes along, it'll just all of a sudden something, red lights will go off everywhere saying something's wrong. And you'll say, I don't even know what's wrong. I just know something's wrong. Because you know it's not right. Because you know what right is. I, I've been, <clears throat> been in church about three months and and, uh, and I was in a, in a squad car. I was, I was riding midnights and, and I was trying my best to, to, to start listening to better stuff. You know, I mean, I, 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 so I'm, I'm there and, it, and all we have is AM radio. Okay. Anybody remember those days? Back in the days when you had three channels on TV. And so, so I'm, I'm, I'm turned on that radio. At midnight, this preacher came on on the station. And so I listened to him for probably a month or so. I was just, I would listen to him at night because I thought this is a good thing to do. At least I'm driving around, it's midnight and I'm tired and I'm going to listen to preaching. So I listened to this guy. After about a month and a half of listening to him, and I don't know if there's so much to listen to him, except that I was in that month and a half, I was also growing in the Lord in church. My preacher was coming and teaching me and discipling me and helping me. One night I turned him on and he was talking and all of a sudden it was like a pressure inside of me. It was like something inside of me just said something's wrong. I went to my preacher the next day and I said, listen, I don't understand this. I've been listening to this preacher at night and, and, and I thought it'd be good to listen to preaching. And I said, but I, I, I can't tell you what it is, but, but boy, I was listening to him and, and it just something inside me, it just said something, something didn't feel right. He looked at me, he said, who was it? And I said, the guy's name is Herbert W. Armstrong. And, uh, and, he, and he looked at me, and he, he just kind of laughed. And he said, son, <clears throat> he went, I didn't understand what he was saying, you know, Worldwide Church of God and all this and this. He said, man, turn that off. That guy's a cult. And I, I didn't know anything about him. Now, since then, I've studied a little bit about him and his British Israelism and Worldwide Church of God and all that kind of stuff. But, but I, didn't know, I, I didn't know what was wrong. Something told me something wasn't right. And we need to get our house built on true principles of the word of God. Now, if you go to verse 15. Verse 15 says, Beware false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You should know them by their fruits, if you might relate this to a, a presidential candidate. And um, do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is shewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Now, 
I believe this passage is twofold. Most of the time it's used to, to, to uh, talk about, again, about soul winning. And I believe that's a, a part of it because, uh, again, I'm not going to go into it by the, the definitions uh, that, that take place in this, this passage. But these fruits are both, uh, they're good works in many ways. And when you look at this plural, whereby by their fruits you shall know them. It suddenly it made me realize one day, if, if uh, other than my wife in here, I'm not sure anybody else has ever been with me to, to see me win somebody to the Lord. Now, hopefully after a time, there'll be some more people in here, but I don't know anybody else has. So how can you know me by the people I've won? Yeah, Josh, okay, God bless you. You watched me. He made me a liar right there. You were with me and I want somebody to rise. Okay. Now, the fact is, is that we, that's, that's going to be real hard for you to see that my fruits of my soul. And, you know, it, it to, hopefully you're around long enough to have fruit that remains and you see that. And I think this is part of it, but I think a great portion of this, this passage of scripture by plural is talking about the fruits of the spirit. And God says, look, if you have the fruits of the Spirit, everybody can see it. You can see it. You can see it in, in the countenance of the people when you walk in the door. I'll be honest with you, if I didn't see that all around this place when I first came in here, it'd been hard for me to stay here. I'm not saying I'm staying here. I just... <laughs> but listen, listen to what it is. If we're talking about a home, a family, a life, a church, the fruit of the Spirit is peace, love, joy, meekness, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, faith, and temperance. Do you think maybe a house, a marriage, a life, a church could stand if that church that marriage, that home had peace, had love. You know, I thank God, and I'm going to say, I thank God for this church because we have all kinds of people come in here. And I've told everybody that I've gotten to have the opportunity. I said, you know, everybody loves everybody. Everybody cares about everybody. And I, and I just... I love that. I love it. Peace, love, joy, meekness. What would it do if we'd long suffering? If we just really had that patience, we need goodness, gentleness, faith, and temperance. If that's in a home, I'm, I'm going to tell you, it's going to stand. But without the fruit of the Spirit, here's what will happen. Your home, your life, your marriage, your church will know disharmony and confusion rather than peace. It'll know hatred rather than love. It'll know grief and misery and unhappiness rather than joy. It'll know arrogance and pride rather than meekness. It'll know impatience rather than long-suffering. It'll know evil and wickedness instead of goodness. It'll know harshness and cruelty rather than gentleness. It will know skepticism, doubt, and distrust rather than faith and lack of discipline and lack of self-control and excess rather than temperance. And when the fruits of the Spirit are not present, that house is built upon the sand. 
that's going to crumble. And then the very last, if you go to verse 21. Verse 21 says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils. In thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. The last thing the Lord deals with in all these principles in chapter 5, 6, and 7 is true salvation. He comes to the very end after teaching all of these principles in chapters 5, 6, and 7. comes to the very end and he says true salvation is built upon the rock and it will stand. Religion is built upon the sand and it will fall. You see, what I believe God is saying here is he comes to the very end. I believe the reason the Lord saved this to the very end is this. He just listed off principle after principle after principle after principle after principle about how, honestly, how to narrow the path. And he gave, gave us all these principles, chapter five, six, and seven. Then he gets to the very end and he said, you may do many wonderful works and still not know me. And I believe he got to the very end because he said, you may do, may do every principle that I taught you. Go ahead and live every one of them. Go ahead and try to have prayer in the home and go ahead and try to treat people other than try to live unselfishly. Go ahead and be a nun and go ahead and go across the country and give your life on the mission field. Go ahead and do all these things. But if you have never come to a true understanding of Jesus Christ as Savior, all of these are wasted. He said, because I'll look at you even after you did them all. And say, you said, oh, you did many wonderful works. And he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. And I give the illustration all the time, but that's what was happening to my wife when she came forward at 12 years old. And they handed her a card and they filled out the card and they gave it to them. They took her and they baptized her and she never had anybody tell her how she could know for sure she was going to heaven. You see, coming forward and filling out the card and becoming a church member and getting baptized was a good work. But it wasn't salvation. And at 21 years of age, she came forward or actually went out the back and came to the preacher's office and said, I got to get this settled. I got to get this done. I got to know. Here's what she, she would say in their testimony. She'll say, I just felt like I tried and I'd done everything everybody told me to do. So surely if anybody's going to heaven, I am because I've done everything everybody's told me to do. Many wonderful works. The wonderful works can give you a great life when you're saved. They don't get you saved. 
It's true salvation in Jesus Christ. The wonderful works of religion, trusting Christ 100% to take you to heaven when you die, that's a house built upon an eternal rock. Father, I pray that you bless tonight, Lord Jesus. Thank you for the...